0: Hello, I'm Felix, and welcome to You Gotta Hack That, the podcast all about the security behind the Internet of Things. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about building management systems. All right, so what are building management systems? Well, they're also known as BMS, and they are basically a centralized point where loads of different tech that controls a building gets centralized and and connected together. Now, these sorts of things can include, you know, heat, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, or HVAC. It can include fire suppression or detection, and sometimes other fire-related bits of kit. Um, and then there's things like CCTV systems and access control systems. You know, the sort of thing that you have to swipe a card over to open a door. That sort of thing is definitely in there. And then you've also got other items, which is about comfort and and looking after people while they're there. So lighting and energy saving kit. Um, You don't want stuff turned on when people aren't present. So have a system that turns it off and then lifts and accessibility services. Uh, So we're talking about escalators or other types of system that maybe allow people who would otherwise not be able to access a building be able to. How do these things work? Well, this varies tremendously as a result of the the different scale of the implementations. And there's going to be other reasons as well, like, well, what does the site do? What does the building do? But as a a general principle, the bigger the building, bigger the the area, uh, the more likely it is to have much more complex systems installed as we've already seen, there's loads of different technologies that are available as options here. And what that means is that the, the tech itself varies quite sig- significantly as well. It's not just a case of you know, there being lots of it and therefore it's more complex. It's, there's lots of variation too. They're probably going to be based around a server and a, and a web application or a thick client application that you install locally on your machine. And then whoever is running the system logs in and can make changes, see logs, you know, basically operate the system via that particular bit of kit, whatever it be, a web app or a thick client. It's also important to think about the fact that this isn't limited to a single building. This could be you know, a suite of buildings in an area uh, for instance, if you've got a whole site and you've got 10 buildings there, well, you might not have a centralized security team and, and connect all of those buildings together. But it's not limited to that either. You can actually do this across national areas as well as international ones, uh, because these things can be connected over the internet if done correctly. So ultimately, there's the question about why bother? And I think more than most subjects this one's probably the most obvious i think most people would go well actually i can think of half a dozen reasons off the top of my head but that's probably because this is the thing of movie plots We've had so many movies over the years where a hacker has accessed a building to be able to find secret files in a particular vault, or they've you know they've stolen stuff from the, the vault of a casino or they've um, used it to get people to come out of a building or you know all sorts of different techniques and tactics. And those are some of those examples that I would think are you know, relevant to, depending on the context of the site. So, as a short list, you know, evacuating buildings, accessing restricted areas, and, and whatever's behind those restricted areas. A bit of surveillance. You know, if you're following your your wife and she always goes to the same shopping center or something like that, then maybe you'd want to know whether she's there or not. There's also the obvious stuff like theft and and being disgruntled employees and and because because they can and they want to get back at somebody. But there's also the more serious side of things as well, which is uh, terrorism and ransomware. And ransomware is is kind of an interesting one because it's it's picked up quite a bit over the last few years and there's there's examples of hotels having their uh, door control systems being ransomware and they simply just couldn't operate, you know. Could you imagine if your local shopping center was under a ransomware attack and suddenly, well, actually could they let anybody in? Probably not, because they couldn't trust that the fire systems would work, so therefore they wouldn't be able to allow people to go on site except to fix those fire systems. Ultimately then, that brings us to the question about, well, what might go wrong on such a system? And again, regular listeners would probably recognize the fact that the, uh, the complexity and the scale of these problems present problems that are quite difficult to overcome. But there's more to it here as well as just simply the scale and complexity for starters they tend to be run by physical security teams and now that's not disrespecting the physical security teams whatsoever it's just they don't necessarily have training on cybersecurity issues and how to look after those systems and sometimes it's the physical security teams that implement those systems as well as run them and operate them so if they don't know what they're doing at the very beginning then ultimately they're going to have a very weak system later on what this means is you know those connected systems the uh, various different sensors, door locks, whatever it is that's connected to this BMS is going to have varying levels of security. And there's a chance that the system is potentially as weak as the most vulnerable one. So if you had a a fire system uh, of of whatever description and it was absolutely top-notch, perfect, no probable weaknesses, no vulnerabilities that were known, anything along those lines, then uh, that would be great. But if it's connected to the same BMS where you've got a door lock system that's vulnerable to everything, well, I don't need to necessarily attack the fire system to be able to make an impact on it. I could attack the door lock system, access the BMS, and then cause an event to happen within the fire system. And and that kind of brings it down to the lowest common denominator. There's also the the challenges of, well, who's set this up and where have they set it up? Uh, And have they thought about how that's going to be segregated? Have um, you know, they, are they put it on the same network as the corporate IT network? I've seen that quite a few times, and and that's not a great idea because these devices tend to have all sorts of issues with them, and if I can break into the operational technology or the BMS network, then I can probably move across from that over to the IT network, and therefore it's not just a, a physical impact that I could have, it's a, an IT or information impact that I could have. The flip side to this is if someone has been smart enough to segregate the BMS network from everything else, then the chances are that the level of security maturity on that network is, is relatively low. So, for instance, they probably haven't put in security event monitoring or, you know, any network monitoring or intrusion detection systems or anything along those lines, because that's just another cost and another thing to maintain. And it's, it's an isolated thing. And we go back to this psychology of it being a thing in the corner. It's a black box. It works. Don't touch it. So why would you interact with it? Why would you do anything more? And it it takes quite an enlightened security team to recognize the vulnerabilities that are present here and actually do something about them. Where there's lots of sites connected together or lots of buildings in the same site connected together, there's some extra interesting vulnerabilities that can come up there too. If you have a site and it's got three buildings and there's a high security building, a medium security building and a, a really open low security building. Well, if they're all connected together, And I go and sit in the cafe that's in the low security building, say it's a shopping center, and from there I gain access to the BMS system. I can probably start working my way and and try and access systems that look after and protect the high security or the medium security building and therefore be able to have an impact there too. So you kind of you need to to think about this as a, a whole broad problem rather than just in isolation is this a, a security problem or not because the different solutions vary quite significantly depending on who it is you're trying to protect and what it is you're protecting and if you don't do that correctly then you actually give yourself weaknesses just in the design of it let alone in the implementation and i guess to illustrate my point just now is if you think about the difference between a power plant and a shopping center you kind of, you want people to be in one, but you don't want people to be in the other. But if they're connected, then I'm going to have an impact if I'm attacking one on the other. It's also fair to say that a lot of this kit is quite exposed. If you think about, you know, the the sheer volume of fire detection sensors that are around, if I'm an attacker and I know that I can impact a, a fire system by fiddling with that tamp- that that, uh, that sensor, then all I need to do is find one of those sensors that's exposed and then be able to to have a fiddle with it. There's also a huge number of RF protocols involved in these technologies, so obviously that makes it quite difficult to get any level of security assurance that's worth having because, well, how do you know which bits of kit have been tested properly and which bits haven't, and did those people who did the testing know that RF protocol properly? (laughs) And then there's the obvious stuff like having bad passwords. If, if you think about the CCTV system in your building, then there's a reasonable chance that the password is something like 1234 because that's the default on so many CCTV systems. And as a result, people you know, don't change it because it's an isolated network and nobody thinks about it. And security is a secondary concern as far as cybersecurity is concerned. And that's just like the obvious stuff. There's loads of other kind of traditional IT vulnerability problems that might well be there, like patching the operating system for the BMS server, for instance. All right, so what can be done about it? I, I think this is definitely fair to say that there's probably the drive for better network segregation. And and in big installations, that means not just you know one big BMS network, but actually to segregate it further, to say, well, actually, the fire system can only talk to the BMS system. It can't also talk to the lifts. It needs to go via the BMS system at the same time. I know there's some challenges with that and that particular example is as primary there is actually fire systems are usually designed to talk to lifts because that way they know that the lift will go down to the bottom floor and let people out if the fire alarm goes off rather than carry on or get stuck somewhere or you know get confused and, and that's quite an important thing to do um, firefighting lifts are really common but if you have to go via the bms system and not direct to the lifts then that means you need systems that are capable of doing that Um, so there's there's some complexity there but that's largely an engineering problem rather than a you know it's, it's physically not possible problem We touched on this already, but actually gaining cybersecurity assurance activities for BMS systems is is hard work, but it's really, really valuable. Um, If you know that someone has spent some time, and it doesn't need to be an exhaustive test. You know, if you're you're defending against a casual attacker, if you know somebody spent a couple weeks looking at it, then you can be reasonably confident that if they are appropriately skilled, then it's not going to be that easy. I'd also say monitoring is a thing and you need to think about this from a a traditional networks point of view but also on top of that you need specific capabilities around understanding what happens within this you know the the BMS technologies that are in play Uh, whether that be radio frequency based stuff or whether that be on the wire at the database but it's you know, it's, it's about understanding the context of that a bit more. And to extend that further, it's probably a good idea in bigger installations in particular to start doing pattern analysis so that you can recognize when things have gone a bit differently to usual, and therefore be able to raise that as a question for the physical security team to, to understand or to ask more questions about. And then patching. I don't know whether or not there's going to be ever an episode that goes past where I don't say patching is important. This is very important here. But clearly, if there's a lot of technology involved, then doing patching of all of that technology is is going to be hard work. It's going to be involved and it's going to take a lot of time. And that means somebody needs to be preemptively thinking about doing it rather than waiting for those patches to come back. From the vendor you actually need to go actively seeking to work out what technology you've got and what patch cycles they have and therefore you know when the next thing's going to happen and finally if you've got a limited number of people who are accessing these systems and understanding them maintaining them that kind of stuff then they need to be trained correctly to understand the specific cyber security problems that go with those technologies all right so As a brief summary, what do I think? Well, security of BMSs is is clearly going to be quite hard work. Uh, And the more obscure the tech, it's going to mean the greater the challenge. But despite those things, I believe that BMSs can provide great benefits, whether that be for a security purpose, like knowing that you can turn off the access to a particular office to an ex-employee as they walk out the door, rather than having to force them to give you the key, which they might have taken a copy of. There's all sorts of other benefits as well, you know, like environmental friendly stuff. Uh, and, and as a result of all of these things, security cannot be such an issue that nobody actually bothers to implement them because they're scared of the, the other negative sides. I think it just requires careful consideration and, and probably some, some good engineering effort and some thought about how this is going to work. All right. So thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this show. Uh, Please give the show a rating or review in your podcast app. We'd really appreciate it. And if you fancy tweeting about it or sticking it on LinkedIn, then that would be great too. Tag us, whatever you do. To talk to us about any aspect of the show, suggest a future topic, or to ask a question about IoT security, please get in touch. You can do that via email on helpme at yg.ht or with at gotta underscore hack via Twitter. And on LinkedIn, you can search for us with you gotta hack that as the name. Thank you so much.